I thank you, Father, that you use my mouth today to help us as women, to help us as men, to learn what that guideline, what that blueprint is, Father, so that we can live according to it, so that we can have your blessings operating in our life. I thank you, Father, that everyone here has a heart to hear what your word has to say about us, Father, as women. And we can set aside what our culture has taught us as women and learn what your word has, has put in, what you've put in the foundation of the world in your word for us as women, Father. I just thank you that you help us to, to take it, to digest it, to put it in our heart, to meditate it on it as the weeks go by, Father, so that we can be changed into your image and truly be godly women and not just American women. I thank you, Father, for helping me to communicate everything that your word has in this curriculum, everything in Pastor Chris's heart for this curriculum, and to help us as women to be godly women, Father, and not just American women. We love you, Lord. We thank you for giving us your word and teaching us how to live for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, the topic of our curriculum is godly women, and Pastor Chris has been talking about that for a while, so that's not new to any of us. Um, we'll, just, we'll just start and look into our curriculum. It starts off saying that God has a purpose and a plan for everything He does. And the title of this lesson is The Creation of Woman. So we're going to see what God's purpose was for us from the creation, from the very beginning, beginning as women, what was His purpose for us as women. Nothing is an afterthought to our God. To fully cooperate with God and please Him, we must understand His plans, purposes, and intentions in our life. Just like if, if you get a new contraption at home, you don't know how to work it until you've read the blueprint. It's important for us to know God's blueprint for us as women, how we are to be as women so that we can operate in that. We must understand why God created us and what His intentions were and are for us. To be a godly woman, a woman must first understand why she was made. A woman must find her purpose from the truths of God's Word, not from the philosophies of the fallen world. And that's very important for us as women living in America. You know, Pastor Chris talks about American culture, and, and we're, not, we're not put on earth to live as Americans. We do live in America, but we're put on earth to live as godly women. So we have to learn what it means to be a godly woman and not just walk every day as an American woman. You know, feminism, political arenas, societal arenas, scientific movements, all of that stuff shifts and change, changes and wants to put in us what, what their agenda is. You know, the feminists want to put in us the feminism agenda. The socialists want to put in us the socialist agenda. But we have to always come back to God's agenda, and we get that from His Holy Scriptures. And that we're going to, you know, look at a couple of those scriptures today. But as women on a daily basis, it's important for us to make sure that we ourselves are looking at God's agenda. We're looking at God's blueprint. Because every day we hear feminism, we hear American pushes what, what the world wants us to be, but it's so important for us to be what God wants us to be. Because the Bible endures forever. All of that other stuff is going to change. It's not going to amount to anything. It, it's going to hurt us in the end if we follow anything contrary to God's Word. This never changes. This endures forever. And that's why we have to base our lives living upon God's Holy Word. And as women, to know, you know, we were created as women, we're going to see some of those things you know, we really don't have a right, again, as a Christian, we have no rights at all, but as a woman, we don't have a right to complain to God and say, why did you make me this way? That's feminism to the heart right there. 
you know, why, why did you make me this way? I don't, I don't want to do it this way. I want to do it this way. But just like, you know, Pastor Chris, I believe, has used the example, if, if you use a screwdriver as a hammer, it's not going to work the same. Eventually, you're going to break the screwdriver. It's going to be broken. You know, the handle's going to break because you're going to bang it too hard or you're going to miss and hit the wall and, and ding your wall up. You know, when we're used for, when we try to put, make ourselves be used for something we're not designed for, it doesn't work as smoothly. You know, just like in, in Jeremiah, it talks about that, uh, you know, we're the clay and we're in the potter's hand and the potter is our Lord. We have to let him form us and make us. And part of that is through studying his holy scriptures. You know, you know can the clay say to the potter, I, I don't want to be a bowl, I want to be a soap dish. Well, real clay can't do that, but sometimes we as Christians think that we can. We think we can say, God, I don't want to do it according to your blueprint. I want to do it according to the way my mama taught me or the way this American culture has taught me. But we have to endeavor not to do that. The first scripture we'll look at is in the beginning, Genesis 1:27. It says, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him, male and female created he them. That word there, so God created man, means actually mankind. God created mankind. And our, our curriculum says that God created man to be both male and female. Mankind is both sexes. God put a distinction between the male and the female. If God intended both male and female to be the same, then we would expect there to be no difference in responsibilities, looks, attributes, mannerisms, likes, dislikes, tastes, roles, or even physicality. If male and female are the same, there would be no reason to have a male and a female. He created the two sexes to be different, but each with an equally vital role. And that last sentence there says it's an equally vital role, but our roles are not equal. In this aspect, man and woman are not created equal. We're both equally vital, but we are not equal. Corinthians says, hand, the hand, can the hand say to the foot, I ha the hand cannot say to the foot, I have no need of you. God created two specific sexes for a reason, because he needs female sexes and he needs male sexes. It takes both for God's design to work the way he designed it. And when we try to usurp our authority or we try to get out of our place, which feminism will push us to do, to act like a man, to have equal rights, you know, to wear the pants, to make the money, to do all those things that our culture teaches women to do, then we, we mess up God's design. He purposed from the beginning for there to be a male and a female. Just like our curriculum says, if he only wanted male, he would have stopped with Adam. You know, there wouldn't be any ladies in the room today because there would be no need for one. But the way God designed it, there was a need for one. So he designed for there to be two parts. So we have to make sure that we stay in our part so that we're not messing up God's plan for our life. And again, as a Christian, you know, why do we fight for our rights anyway? Because we don't have rights as a Christian. The only right we have is to serve our God and to love one another. And I think, you know, when because so many of us oftentimes don't look at the Bible as much as what we look at the world or hear from the world, or we've even been taught from our parents, you know, not to put down our parents, but that's just the way the world has taught them that this is what a woman does. This is what a successful woman does. You know, if, if I ask all of you in the eyes of, of America, what is a successful woman? 
Well, we would all say, you know, she, she has a great job. She wears a big business suit and goes to this fancy career and she takes care of her kids. Or maybe she has a nanny to help her take care of her kids. and She helps make all the money for the house and she drives a fancy car. And that is what America teaches us is success as a woman. But that is not what God's design teaches us is success as a woman. So again, we can't fight for our rights because we have none. And the rights that we're fighting for have really only been put in us by everything contrary to the word, word by, by feminism, by our culture. You know, we only think we have those rights because someone taught us that those rights exist. You know, back after, I guess, World War II, you know, the women started going to work. They liked that ability to earn some money and have their own money and do their own thing. And then it just snowballed from there. You know, we've just kept progressing in that direction. But it is a lie from the beginning, you know, for us to say, well, what's wrong, what's wrong with, with me doing it this way? What's wrong with, with me being successful and, and making six figures? That's just like from the garden where the devil says, hath God really said? Hath God really said that, that you can't eat from this tree? Yes, he has, <laughs> devil, <laughs> go away. But, but we get ourselves, again, looking at the world, looking at the way we're taught, even by our own, even godly parents, you know, because feminism has crept into the church, and we'll see that as we continue with our curriculum. But even a good Christian woman has a lot of feminism in her. It takes God's word to show us where it's at so that we can get it out of us. You know, studying and preparing for these lessons has helped me. And just to encourage you while we're here, you know, don't get overwhelmed. This is a lot. And, and I, I believe it's going to slap a lot of you women in the face because you've never been taught this. You've been taught by America. You've been taught by mom and dad who have been taught by America. But it's in God's word for a reason. And if it's in his word, then we can live up to it because the grace is there to help us to do it. Okay, so back to our curriculum. Our next verse says, And the Lord God said, It is not good that man should be alone. I will make or fashion him a helpmeet. And that's Genesis 2.18. And that word make or fashion there is sculpting. And it's not something simple. It's something that's custom made, which is exciting to think that, that God custom made Eve for Adam. Or, you know, you could say God custom made Wanda for Michael or Miss Eva for Mr. Greg. God custom made me for my husband. You know, God custom made the woman for the man. The New King James Version, I like it, says it will make a help me comparable to him. You know, to help him, but comparable to him. So God knew what, what Adam had, and he made Eve comparable to him to better help him, to be better equipped to meet his needs and, and to help him do what God had called him to do. That's encouraging to me that, that God fashioned you as a helpmeet for your mate. You know, and if you're single, one day, you know, if you're endeavoring to be married, God has fashioned you as a woman to help me, to be a perfect helpmeet comparable to that one that God has for you. And that's exciting. You know, with that being said, you know, a perfect design. God made women as a perfect design. But feminism slaps that design in the face because feminism ultimately hates women because it endeavors to make women just like men. In that regard, ladies, you should be insulted to find any feminism in you. You should be mad at yourself to think, why am I thinking that way? Because I'm hating myself. 
Because again, just like our tools, if we use our tools for the wrong thing, they get broken, they get misused, they don't last as long. If we try to make ourselves as, as God's tool work the way we want rather than the way He wants, then we get misused, things don't fit properly, you know, we get broken, it does not work smoothly. So feminism in that regard hates women because it, it wants to get rid of women. It wants you to have all the same duties, all the same responsibilities as a man, all the same input as a man, but you are not designed to be a man, women. We're not designed to be the head of the house. We're not designed to run things. You know, with your given authority, sure, you can run things as it's delegated to you, but not in the sense that feminism tells us. Feminism tells us to forsake our home, to forsake our children, and pursue that six-figure six salary while everything else suffers at home. Or you have all that money, you pay someone else to do it. Well, when we get into some more of the scriptures here, we'll see, you know, the Proverbs 31 woman, uh, that will work you over, guaranteed. But, you know, she didn't pay someone to take care of her duties. You know, she took care of her duties. So with that being said, you know, the hatred from feminism carries into, you know, I don't need a man. I can do all this myself. That's how a feminist would think. I, I don't need a man to do for me. I don't need a man to tell me what to do. I don't need a man to take care of me or protect me. I can do it all by myself. Well, I'm sorry, honey. No, you can't because Jesus Christ is a man and you cannot get to heaven without him. You can't live a blessed life on this earth without him. You do need a man. You need Jesus. And, and it just starts from there. So we have to you know, pray as we go through these and say, Lord, show me any feminism, show me anything in my life that's anti this word, anti what your blueprint is for me so that I can get it out of me. Women are the solution God created to solve a problem God observed. Uh, and Pastor Chris said, you know, he's not saying that God ever makes a problem, but he designed it this way. He designed for there to be, like we said, a male and a female. So he saw, now he's seeing, oh, Adam needs a help me. So God observed his creation and saw that the only one thing lacked, that lacked was a woman. We might say that woman is the crown of God's creation. The woman was his final brushstroke on the masterpiece of his creation. Woman was the final piece in God's creation made specifically to fit what was left undone. She was created to help and provide companionship. Women are the last thing that God created. And Pastor Chris said it so, so sweetly that, you know, it's just the, the crux, the thing that fits on the top that makes everything work. If you think of a woman's duty, she has a plethora of them and she helps to just make everything work. And that word underlined there is companionship, just to point out to us that we're, we're designed to be a companion to our spouse, not to steer him. We're not, we're not designed to rule or reign. And as I was studying, the Lord showed me that it's just like a recipe. You know, you add things to a recipe as women, we understand baking and cooking, to make it better, to help it, to just bring out that extra flavor. But if that extra, say salt, you know, we add some salt or some seasoning to make that recipe just pop or to be better, just makes it melt in your mouth. But if you put too much of that in there and that thing tries to take charge, it ruins it. It ruins what was a beautiful dinner for you and your family. So as women, we're, we're to add to, not to steer. We're to be a companion to. We're to be a help me to. And Pastor Chris pointed out, you know, women are designed differently. 
we're designed to like different things. We're designed to, to like flowers and soft, pretty things and little puppies and bunnies. You know, he, you never find a straight florist. You never find a straight uh, male florist, male hairdresser. They're all homosexuals because that is what is in woman from the beginning. And those men adhere to that spirit and they start acting like women. Our next scripture, Genesis 2, 21, 22. And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam and he slept. And he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh instead thereof. And the rib which the Lord God had taken from man made or builded he a woman and brought her unto the man. And our curriculum says that man was formed, but women were built. The word formed is in reference to clay. Building is harder work than forming. It appears by these words that God put a lot more into creating the woman than he did the man. Therefore, more may be expected of us as women. The word for built also means to establish, to build a house, to establish a home. Without a wife, you cannot build or establish a home. Um, and you know, and if you've ever been to a single man's home, it's a house and it has stuff in it, but it's not a home typically until there's a woman there. There's just a difference when a woman marries a single man and moves in, the house becomes different, it becomes a home. You know, she helps to establish that. Again, bringing, bringing her nurturing aspect, her sweet aspect, her, her like for soft, pretty things aspect. This scripture shows us clearly the complexity that's in us as a woman you know, both in our, our physicality and our, our soulish realm. You know, we're made differently than men. We're built differently. You know, and, and one of the things that feminiz feminism will do is want to put up those brick walls and say, well, you know, I saw, I saw my mama get hurt, so I am not going to be a helpmeet to any man. I am going to take care of myself. I'm going to do it all just by myself. And Pastor Chris calls that a do loop, where you say, you know, Mama got hurt or grandma got hurt, but forget to realize the reason mama got hurt or grandma got hurt is because she wasn't doing the Bible. We don't get hurt when we do the Bible. Only blessings come from doing the Bible. So mama got hurt, but she didn't do the Bible. So I'm not doing the Bible because mama got hurt and I think I'm not gonna get hurt. We, when you don't do the Bible, you automatically open yourself up for hurt. When you don't serve God on his terms the way he has laid out for us, you open yourself up to a plethora of hurt. You open yourself up to the devil. You open yourself up to the world's way of thinking. You know, so that's, it's foolish thinking when you really look at it that way. Because no mama or grandma ever got hurt by doing the Bible. Sure, people come against you. We all know that. But you don't ruin your life by doing the Bible. You're blessed by doing the Bible. You know, you don't marry the wrong person by doing the Bible. You know, you, you, you don't mess up your marriage, so to speak, by doing the Bible. But for some reason in our minds, we think, or, or women think, you know, well, so-and-so got hurt, so I'm, I'm not opening myself up to a man. I'm not going to let no man do that to me. I'm not going to let no man tell me what to do. I'm not going to submit my life to a man because look what happened to my so-and-so. Her life was hurt by a man. Well, it might have been, but I guarantee you it wasn't by doing the Bible. So we just have to make sure that we always come back to the Bible and we're doing what the Bible says. Second page of our curriculum talks more about the rib and what we can learn from it. Number one, ribs provide protection to the vital organs. 
the woman is built to provide protection to her husband's heart. You know, and women, you, you can really hurt or help your husband's heart. If you're the type of woman that's always rah, 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 or saying everything that he does wrong, godly men want to please you. They want to make you happy. They want to please God. And you can help that by encouraging him in the things that he does well. Or you can hurt that by pointing out every little thing that he does wrong. Number two, ribs keep the chest from collapsing. The woman is built to be a source of godly pride, strength, and encouragement for her husband. She gives him confidence and strength. A godly woman does. But an ungodly woman will be a source of strife and contention for her husband. You know, and women do, just like we said, that crux, that, that, that crown, makes everything turn just like it should. It has all the right widgets and gidgets and crevices to make everything work just like it should. And a woman has that when a godly woman is running her home and managing the kids and doing whatever, uh, you know, tasks the husband has allotted to her, if it's managing the finances, so on, the meals, she does make things run, you know, and, but feminism will make you say, oh, this stupid man, he can't do anything without me. Well, stupid woman, he shouldn't have to. He shouldn't have to do anything without you. It's your job designed by God to help him run the home. It's your job to help secure everything, to help build him up, to help take care of the, the kids. That's your job. And that's a God-given privilege to get to do that. But feminism will want to say, this is a burden. Why did I ever marry this man? My life was easier before. Now I have two people to take care of. Well, now you get to take care of two people. It always comes back to our heart and how we look at things. And if we listen to the world and we listen to what America has to tell us, we'll think contrary to what the Word of God says. So we have to make sure that we're, we're students of the Word. We have to make sure that we're talking to God every day about ourselves and how we can live according to His blueprint. Number three, the rib is not a piece of skull. Skull. <laughs> the woman is not built to rule over her husband. Number four, the rib is not a foot bone. The woman is not built to be walked on by the husband. Again, godly, hu godly husbands are not going to walk on you. And if they're godly, you can pray for them, and God will speak to them if they're doing something out of line. It's not your job, like number three says, to rule over him and show him everything he's doing wrong. That's not your responsibility to do that. God is his head, not you. The rib is located in the center mass of man. The woman is built to be beside her husband, again as a companion, under his arm of protection and at his side, not five feet behind him. Our next scripture, Genesis 2, 23 to 25, says, And Adam said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore shall a man leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and they shall be one flesh. And they were both naked, the man and his wife, and were not ashamed. One thing I like about this for women um, Adam said this, and Jesus again quoted this later in the gospel. So we know it's in the Bible more than one time. It's important for us. I think God doesn't put one thing in the Bible on accident, let alone he puts it in there two times for us to, to see. Um, but that word there, it says, where it says, therefore shall a man leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife. That word man there is mankind. And so for women, we are designed to leave our father and mother. And to cling to, that, that word uh, be joined to means to cling or to cleave 
to our spouse. You cannot cling or cleave to anything if you're still holding on to something else. And for women, that can be our mamas. It can be a sister, typically not brothers, but women usually are more emotional and more social. So it can be mama and any sister that you know, you've grown up with. Your mom should not be your best friend. And elderly women, your daughter, you know, if you have younger daughters, your daughter should not be your best friend. You're violating this scripture if that's the case. You should be cleaving and clinging to your husband. You can't fulfill that scripture if you're still holding on to mama or if the, the daughter's older, you know, the older mom's holding on to daughter. You know, and, and really check your hearts on that because we have some moms and daughters in the church and even moms and daughters with moms and daughters outside the church. We all have a mama. If your heart is more excited about spending time with your mom or your sister as a girlfriend than your husband, you are in violation of this scripture and you need to ask God to help your heart. You shouldn't be more excited about an afternoon shopping with your mom or your sister. Sure, that's fun in its different, different realms, but is your heart more excited about that? Is your heart happy to call your mom when you get off work and, and talk to her or to call your husband and see how his day went? You know, we, we have to judge ourselves in that thing. I, I think for women, it's, it's, it's men, men and women, and some men are mamas, boys or whatever, but pastor will deal with that when he talks about the, the godly men. But as women, our hearts can really get connected to mom and sister more so than men, you know, because we're designed differently. So that's, that's one thing that I really like about that. And, and to look at the scriptures, we see that to be the case if we look like at Jewish, Jewish culture, uh, Rachel, Rebecca, when they married, they, they left their, their family, they left their home, they moved away. Not to say you have to move away and don't have a relationship with your family, but where's the balance? What's your heart more prone to, to, to desire? You know, what do you like better? What do you get more excited about? Uh, to look at our curriculum here, this passage speaks to us of the unity of the husband and wife, of the unity the husband and wife have on two fronts. One, they are to leave mom and dad to start their own family. This represents the unity of their soul. They are a unified team with their own family's ambitions and goals. And to stop there, you can't be focused on your family's ambitions and goals if you're still holding on to what you left at home or if you know mom's still worried about what the daughters are doing. Um, and again, we're not, we are singling out women. This is a godly women curriculum, so that's why I just keep emphasizing women. So we have to make sure that, that our main focus is our family, the one that we believe God for, the one that we have a covenant with. You know, you do not have a covenant with your mama. You do not have a covenant with your daughter. You have a covenant with your husband and, and the Lord God. And this is his words to us as women. So number two, they enjoy the benefits of marital sex. This is the union of their bodies. In this verse, they're naked and not ashamed. They're married, naked, together, and not ashamed. And that was God's idea in the beginning. This is the coming together of what they were before Adam's rib surgery, which was one flesh. You know, so we're one soul and we're one flesh. And for women, because we're dealing with women, you know, the sex drive, just as, as noted, just by looking at people, for men is stronger than women. But God gave us 
a sex drive. He gave us the ability to be naked and not ashamed with our husband. That is a God-given desire. And only the devil perverts that and changes that and causes you to not want to be intimate with your husband. Just like the desire to eat, nobody misses a meal, very rarely, you know, unless we're, we're called to fast. But we always have the desire to eat unless the devil comes and perverts that, and that's called anorexia. And we can all clearly see if someone's anorexic, like, whoa, you know, that girl needs some help or that, that young man needs some help. The same thing if you don't want to be intimate with your husband, you need some help, and that's only going to come from God. And again, we start by saying, Lord, I can see this in my life. Help me to get this corrected and talk to God about that so that he can help your heart to change. Because it's a God-given desire. It's a God-given drive. And, then, and before people get married, we have to counsel them, keep your hands to yourselves, go home at 10 o'clock, you know, don't be alone together because sin wants to pervert that. Sin wants you to mess up before you get married because it's contrary to God's design. When you get married, we have to encourage couples, stay intimate, keep the romance alive, desire one another, chase one another, because the devil wants to pervert God's design. He always wants to mess up God's blueprint. So we have to make sure that our desires, again, are God's desires. Our next uh, section is the word Shava, meaning the living. Genesis 3.20 says, And Adam called his wife's name Eve, which means Shava, because she was the mother of all living. And that's exciting to think, you know, as women, from the beginning, you were the mother of all living. And maybe it's more exciting to me now because we're pregnant, but you know, you get to be a, the mother of all living. Eve was the mother of all living. And feminism, you know, contrary to God's word, seeks to take life. It seeks to take your life for one by ruining it and causing you to act and be like a man. You know, and the whole abortion realm was birthed from feminism to say you have a right with your body to do whatever you want with. And I've said in the very beginning, as Christians, we have no rights. You know, that baby's God's baby, not, you know, yours to pick and choose what you decide you want to do with it. You know, so we can see that's a, a harsh example, but that's, that's where feminism takes us. It takes us to everything contrary to God's word. And God's word brings life. We know that. Feminism seeks to take life. Um, you know, and not just with abortion, but it'll ruin your life as well. It'll take your life from you. It will ruin your marriage. There'll be no peace in your home. You'll be miserable trying to get what you think God's word would really give you in the end. But you don't want to submit to God's word as a feminist because you want to do it your way because that's what feminism taught you. Don't submit to any man or any, any, anybody else. Do it my way. You take care of yourself. And we, we're back in that do loop where we're continually not doing the word, trying not to get hurt, but destroying our life because we're not doing the word. We've got to be women of the word, not just coming to church and hearing the word. We've got to be women that seek the word on our own, that talk to God about the word, that, that pray the word, and that do it on a regular basis. You know, that, that scripture, when we hear the word only and don't do it, we're deceived. That's really a scary thing if you think about it because when you're deceived, self-deception is the greatest because you think you're right. And it takes God's word to bring light to that situation for you to see, oh, wait a second, I'm not right. But you have to be a student of the word for his word to bring light to your life. 
if you're throwing this away and, and never looking at it, never praying it, you know, only listening. Not that Pastor Chris doesn't teach us great, but only listening to the word when you come to church, that's not enough. We've got to be women of the word. Back to our curriculum. Women are life givers. They produce life. They incubate life. They carry life. God chose woman to be the reproducer of life. What a tremendous honor and responsibility. And I'll start there. What an honor to think that, you know, I was jogging the other day and I was thinking, there's a little person growing in here. There's a little person in there. You know, a lot of you are mamas already, so you've already experienced that. But what an honor to get to birth life. I mean, God lets us incubate. I mean, he, he's, he's the breather of life. He breathes life into the baby, but we get to carry it and incubate it and nurture it. What a privilege. And again, feminism says, you don't need that. You don't need a man. You know, just adopt a baby. You don't need to birth one. Just adopt one. Nothing wrong with adoption, but the heart that says, I don't need a man. I'll do it my own way. I'll just adopt. There is something wrong with that. You know, to adopt a baby, to, to have one, you know, biologically, you can't, whatever. Just to love an extra baby, totally fine. But the heart that says, I don't need a man, you know, I'll do it my own way. I don't even need to get married. I'll just adopt a baby. Well, a baby needs a daddy. I'm sorry. You're mistaken in that regard. So there is something wrong with that. Again, feminism in the world just wants to pervert everything, pervert God's word. So what a tremendous honor and responsibility. Men tend to take life. Men hunt, they fish, they trap, they war, they fight, they burn, they destroy, etc. Anybody that has a little boy knows, you know, they run out of the house with the BB gun, they kick the bunny, they kick the dog, they kick the cat, they set things on fire, they squish bugs. You know, girls want to pet the kitty. Girls want to, you know, the king girls, they want to get the bugs and keep them in a little container as pets. Even the bugs, you know, girls want to nurture that stuff. <laughs> little kids are a perfect example of what God put in us. You know, little girls from the beginning, they want to rock the baby. You know, they follow Miss Kimberly around with Audrey because they want to see the baby. They want to touch the baby. They want to hold the baby. That's in us from birth because it's God's design. And little boys, you know, they don't care about the baby. They want to run outside and punch somebody or kick something or squish something. That's in little boys. They're more aggressive just by God's nature that was put in them. You know, and, and as the world and feminism wants to come and, and let women be on the front lines of the military, you know, and I'm not down in any woman that's in the military, but, you know, I, I could not shoot a squirrel, I don't think, in our backyard. It's not in me to want to kill something. But feminism wants to take it to the extreme and say, you have the right to wear the pants and fight, and you have a right to be in a war. You have a right to do all the things that men can do, but why do we want to? It's not in us by nature. When we look at our little kids, we see it's not in us by nature. You know, it's not in God's design for us. So we have to, you know, examine our hearts and say, what part of this is in me? What part of this do I need to adjust? Because you live in America. Great a country as it is, we have our flaws, and, and a lot of them are contrary to women women's blueprint in, in God's design for us. Men tend to take life. Men hunt, fish, trap, war, fight, burn, destroy, etc. And then I'm sure the, the list goes on and on what little boys like to do. But women prepare the hunted, the fish, the trap meat as a meal to feed and bring more life to their families. And that's what women did. Uh, they bandaged the wounded in war times. 
You know, women have, have been a preserver of life, a nurturer of life. They take what the men squish and kill and shoot and use it to bring life to their families, to bring life to the war troops. Women are, a, just from the beginning, mother of all living. You know, we want to nurture, we want to take care of. They mend the bones from fights. Women minister life by nature. Women have the soft, nurturing, caring, life-breathing quality of God in their nature. And I think it's a sad thing for our nation. You know, if you, most women can think, or even you men can think of grandma and how grandma was. I can think of my mamaw and how, you know, she was up early making Sunday lunch before we ever left for church in the morning and she was making breakfast and she always had sweet treats that we liked and the orange push-up pops and you know she let us stand up on her little ledge and say memory verses she nurtured us you know but because the society that we live in many of us have to think back and again no slight to our parents or grandparents but our culture has bred us wrong has taught us wrong many of us have to look back two generations to find that you know, many of us, if we look back one generation, we see a, a mom that was never home, not nurturing because she didn't have time because of, you know, she was called to work and this thing and that thing. And again, I'm, I'm not putting anyone down for having to work or, you know, our parents for where they've missed it. But it's a sad indictment for our country to think that some, so many of us have to look back so far to find that nurturing woman in our family, you know, two and three generations to see that. So, you know, faith is now, and what we can do is fix the generation that where we all are. We can fix where we're at right now and start to become a godly woman, what God's designed for us to be, so that our kids and grandkids won't have to look back, but just one, till they get to us to find what a godly example really looks like. And it only, you know, really is in our, our country. You know, think about it. Pastor Quoco, we wouldn't have to teach this where he's from. We wouldn't have to teach this in any African nation. If Miss Kate was in here, she'd be saying amen because it's all in her. It was taught in her. You know, she wasn't taught by American culture. She wasn't taught by rebellion. She was, you know, the, the other countries have their own issues, but feminism is not one of them <laughs> for most. You know, feminism is, is the strongest in America, I believe. So we need to look to God and say, Lord, help me to get, get it where I'm the nurturing godly woman so that you know, my kids, my grandkids, they don't have to look any farther than me to find what a, a, a woman that seeks God heart, God's heart, a woman that lives for God, really truly looks like. Because they're going to see every day what an American woman looks like. All they have to do is turn on the TV. You know, they don't have to look far for that. Uh, on page three of our curriculum, and God blessed them and said unto them, Be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and subdue it to keep under and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. That's Genesis 1.28. The interesting thing about this is that God blessed them, both of them, and said unto them, Be fruitful and multiply. So we see sex again there. God was telling them, be fruitful and multiply. Adam didn't have the command to be fruitful and multiply until he had Eve. So we know it's for the man and the woman, the husband and the wife. It told them, replenish the earth, subdue it, and have dominion over it. So both the man and the woman were given authority over everything. The woman just wasn't given authority over the man. But we see, 
you know, in the beginning, the woman was given the authority, reading our curriculum, over everything on the earth except her husband. But the crazy thing is, you know, when the serpent came to her and said, half God really said, she didn't take dominion over him. And what I saw in studying that, thanks to God, you know, he allowed me to see it. But as women, we have dominion over a lot of things that we just throw aside. We have dominion over our walk with God, for starters, but oftentimes we throw that aside. We have dominion over sin in our life, but we choose to keep it for whatever reason. We have dominion over our flesh, but we let it do whatever it wants to do. We, how about our mouth? We have dominion over our mouth, but so many times we shoot it off and just say whatever we want to. And the one thing we don't have dominion over is our husband is the one that we fight for. We fight for the, the dominion over our husband, the authority over the, the leadership in our life, and we throw all the other stuff aside. So our life is crumbling back here because we're not exercising our God-given authority and speaking to the devil, speaking to our flesh, uh, encouraging ourselves in the Lord, getting ourselves in the Word and prayer on a daily basis. So our lives falling apart in that arena, but then we try to take over our husband and tell him what to do, just further creating a bigger mess. You know, so this, for whatever reason, Eve did not rebuke the serpent. She talked to him. She entertained him. That's like us entertaining sin in our life, letting our flesh do whatever it wants to do. But we have authority over that stuff, but we choose not to use that authority because we think we need to have authority over this man that doesn't know what he's doing. Silliness. So although she had the authority to do it, you know, she didn't. She was given great power and dominion over every creature but one, her husband. Amazingly, some Christian women want to negate the authority they've been given over 99% of creation and focus only on 1%, bossing the 1% around, which is their husband. You know, and again, feminism will teach you to shirk your responsibilities, you know, let someone else raise your babies. Don't worry about your husband. He can fend for himself and you go get that big fancy career and, you know, do whatever you want to do. Maybe you don't want a big fancy career. Maybe you want to go, I don't know, who knows what, shop all day. But you throw everything aside to do what you want to do. And that's what feminism teaches us. You know, don't like the power we've been given. We want to take man's, man's power. And, you know, it's like a two-year-old. Uh, has a toy until the other two-year-old comes in the room that has a fire truck. Well, we throw our toy down and we want to go steal the fire truck from the, two, the other little boy. That's what we do. We throw our God-given authority down and want to go steal what's not rightfully ours. And that little boy should get a spanking and we should too, but we're adults so we can do whatever we want to do. Crazy. All right, Genesis 3.16, our next scripture. Unto the woman he said, I will greatly multiply thy sorrow and thy conception. In sorrow thou shalt bring forth children, and thy desire shall be to thy husband, and he shall rule over thee. I'm just going to read through our curriculum here. After the fall of man, God establishes the very clear chain of command. Do not allow feminism to poison you. There must always be a chain of command. You know, right is right and wrong is wrong. And, and we just have to line up to it. Someone must always be the leader. This is godly and proper. God established in the beginning that, that the man was the leader in the marriage and not the woman's desires. 
and that the woman's desires shall be subject to thy husband, and he shall rule over thee. And it doesn't say here that the husband shall gently guide, thee, gently guide thee and pet you and, and, and primp you and, and flatter you. He shall rule over you, not with a heavy dictatorship, but right is right and wrong is wrong. And we are to be submitted to our husbands. He is to rule over you. You know, if I do something that Pastor Chris doesn't like, he is no respecter of persons. And he will say, Amanda, you know, adjust this or whatever the whatever it calls for, but the husband is to rule over you. And if as a woman you don't like that, I would suggest meditating on this scripture every day and to ask God to help your heart to say, Lord, I don't like it that my husband's supposed to rule me. What if he tells me no when I really want to do something? Well, praise God, he's designed to be the leader. The leader sees more than the underlings. The shepherd sees more than the sheep has a better, better viewpoint. He's ordained of God. He has the grace of God. He has the wisdom of God to lead your family. So if he tells you no, then praise God he's sparing you from something. You know, or if he says, honey, do this. I, I was reading a book the other day and talked about Abraham and Sarah. And she pointed out some things, the author. But I got to looking in the scriptures and when the two men came, Abraham said to Sarah, make some cakes. We're going to feed these men. Three men, I'm sorry. Was it three? Three men. Make some cakes. Later we see in those passages, he fed those men, one of which being the Lord, the meat that he had prepared, I think some milk and some butter. Never see any cakes. So if your husband tells you to do something, then praise God, that's a blessing for you. You know, Sarah never had another opportunity that I find in the scriptures to prepare cakes for the Lord, ever. She chose to rebel, the I, how I see it in the scriptures. She never did what her husband told her to do. She didn't submit to that rule that was over her. There's blessings when we submit to that rule over us. I'll read quickly the last one. These are some of the purposes God had in mind for women from the beginning. However, several, several thousand years of man's cultural revolution has muddied the subject. Stick with the word and things will begin to clear right up.